Kristen. And I'm Keontae. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to, to the Crafted Podcast. Well, it's a new week. That means a new podcast episode. So how are you doing this week, Beth? I am doing busy. I'm doing busy. Yes, I'm absolutely so busy at work, and I am busy in my home life, and so I just feel busy. My mind feels like a little bit cluttered. I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to do a reset. I haven't even had my bath this week. Mm -hmm. You know I take like three a week. I have not had my actual bath by hopefully people don't think like oh i only bathe three times a week oh be simone but but i take an actual therapeutic self-care bath with my epsom salt with my towel warmer i have a jet tub thing i have my candles i have the under the eye patches for uh when your eyes are black underneath them and tired eyes i have all types of different scents and body washes and everything so i try to take at least one two three baths a week and i have not had my bath this week i need one because it just i don't know that helps me to reset did i mention i have a towel warmer everybody needs one i'm Mm -hmm. absolutely convinced even my kids are like when they're when they're bathing they're like can i have a nice warm towel mom of course baby you can have a nice warm towel my kids are bougie so when anybody marries them one day and they're going to know that they're super bougie. <laughs> How was your week? Uh, my week was pretty good so far. Um, I've been, uh, for the past like couple of episodes, I've been talking about just how busy I've been at work. And even while it was still busy, um, this week I was just really focused and like knocking out a bunch of my projects. Because a lot of my projects were like wall to wall, like on my deadlines. And, um, yeah, I just knocked out a bunch of them. Like, so now I got kind of like a, I got like low key, like a three day kind of like break period until like my next project is due. That's and, good. We need breaks. Okay. Yeah. And even though that don't even seem that long, um, it's still pretty good, but yeah. So I was able to do that and yeah, I mean for the rest of the week so far this week, it's been, it's been pretty straight getting ready for Thanksgiving next week. Um, taking a little break from work thank god where we got jobs where we can at least have you know the couple of days off you got the whole week off i'll have the two days off for thanksgiving and black friday um but it's just good to have that break thank you jesus thank you jesus and guess what my kids all get to go to school for the first three days and you know i was actually looking forward to having the five days off with them and so I don't know if I'll keep them home one of the days or if when they just get, they don't get to go to like actual school. It's like a daycare, daycare program for my older kids. And then um, my baby's daycare is open. And so I'm like thinking like, do I take them out? Do I just take them out early? Like, I don't, I, you know, I literally have became a school psychologist so I could spend time with my kids and so I could have the breaks off and mm. so I could have all of that. So, you know, it's just like, it kind of defeats the purpose if they're going to daycare. Well, not necessarily. Here's my here's my opinion. I think you should just I think you should take the first three days and have those three days to yourself. Um, I know mom guilt is a real thing, but the kids they like the schools and the programs they're going to. They actually like going there, so it'll be different if it was like something like, oh, I don't want to go there, but they actually enjoy it. And it'll be good for your mental health just to get that time off because you're still going to have we're still going to have Thursday off and Friday off and then the weekend. Like we're going to, you you know, even with them being in school for three days, we're still going to have a four day weekend where you can do whatever you want to do with them. Yeah, that's you know, true. even on that Friday. 
that Black Friday, so. That's true. But, you know, it's just kind of, it's always just kind of funny because, like, it's not that I have mom guilt, it's that I actually wanted to spend time with them, you know? Like, I really yearned for that time that I was going to spend with them. So what I think I'll do is, you know, since they want to go in things, they'll go to school or go to their program and then what I think I'm going to do is just um, make it extra special in the morning by making special breakfast items and things like that. Maybe even bring them something special for lunch if I, you know, if if uh, if they let me at the program and then do something special after mm-hmm. and at least do one. I don't know, one something like, oh, let's stay up on not all night, but let's stay up late and watch movies or Let's, you know, go to the indoor playground, whatever it is. Okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> You're like, I'm I got to work, so. Yeah, I'm going to be at work. That's what I'm saying. Like, I I would just rather you just really just take that time to be by yourself. Like, just think of it. Just think of this. Number one, me and you got married at 19. Shoot, so. I could fly somewhere. Stop playing with me. Don't, well, don't, don't do all that. I just time. said take the day off. Don't I didn't threaten say me with a good time. But anyway. like you I don't really, have no fly money, though, right now. <laughs> yeah, like, but I was just saying, like, just if you really just think about it, like, we got married at 19. You haven't been by yourself since you were 19. We're now 33. I've been and by then, myself for my NASP conference last that year. That ain't nothing though, but that's what I'm saying. That was like, really something for me. No, I'm. That's a week. That's a week in 15 years that you haven't been alone. That's one and, week. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but and I went by myself when I flew to see my best friend in Chicago. The amount of times I mean, you, not Chicago and Colorado. In Colorado, the yes. amount of time. Oh, Colorado and Pennsylvania. But the amount of times, <laughs> the amount of times that you've been. That's three by, times. Hold on. The amount of times that you've been by yourself in this span of 15 years that we've been together is probably not even a month's worth. And that's with out of all these years going to see your friends, even going to like women's conference and stuff, conferences and stuff. It probably those days all put together probably don't even total a month in 15 years. That's true. But I still want to spend time with him. I mean, that's cool if you want to spend time with him. I'm just saying. Hey, listen, I love the kids, okay? Give and then probably like two days in, I'm be like, oh my God, they need to go back to school. But I don't know. I just I just really want to connect and love on them, you know? Okay. You're a good mom. Uh, so extra. <laughs> no, you really he, are. That's like I'm just saying, you better than me. <laughs> no, no. No, honestly, you know, and I want to just take this time to really just give you, give you your flowers because... You truly are a great mom. Like you're a great nurturer. Not only a great mom, of course, of course, you're a great wife as well. But just on the mom side, like you're a great nurturer. You're can even you being a school psychologist, you're constantly researching things and ways for us to raise the kids and just our parenting, the emotional space of the kids. You know the things that they need, the things that they don't need, the affirmations they need. You know all that type of stuff. And I feel like, not to knock other moms, but there's not a lot of moms that put as much detail into things as you do. Like, for instance, like for Halloween, the, your, your majority of moms is just going to get the kids costumes and go out trick-or-treating. For when the Halloween wasn't even here, it was just Halloween month started. This girl made a whole dinner and made it like an actual specialty dinner. She made like <laughs> sausages that looked like fingers. She made a special juice with like eyeballs in the juice and stuff. And this was on October first. Listen, so that's I what love I'm. The that's babies. what I'm saying. I love so the babies. I just wanted to give you your flowers and just tell you how great of a mom you are. And I'm just 
glad that I married somebody like you because you could be a crackhead somewhere. And, I'm rolling, and, not a crackhead. <laughs> you know? I'm really thankful that you took the time out to appreciate me because, you know, you always tell me that I, you always tell me you love me and acknowledge me and things like that. But I, there's not that many times that you acknowledge my ability as a mother. You know, it's like a lot of times in posts and stuff, but not like face to face or, you know, it might be like on Mother's Day. So, you know, I really appreciate that. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and get into our let's get deep question of the day. Okay, what is it? All right, today's question is, what was the worst haircut or hairstyle that you've ever had? The worst haircut or hairstyle that I've ever had. That you can remember. Um, <laughs> Like when you were... Well, when I was a kid, I, I liked... Um, my mom used to do my hair in Bantu knots. And this was before Bantu knots was like you know, popping or a thing. Uh-huh. And so I was like 10 with Bantu knots or nine or eight. And so I remember getting them and I really liked them. I used to think that I was popping. Okay. You couldn't tell me nothing, but that was not popping back in the day. And so I remember going to a soccer game and my mom had done my hairstyle in Bantu knots and the coach was like, your head looked like the soccer ball. And I mean, I don't know if that was meant to be like a compliment, but I was immediately like embarrassed. Like, oh, no. oh heck no. I don't want my head to look like no soccer ball. But anyway, so that was like the style back in the day that was the worst style, I guess you could say. But now, listen, you can rock the Bantu knot to everybody's and be like, okay, sus. I thought you was going to say like when you was like a little church girl, you know, they had to like bump the bump the ends. Oh, I had that too. <laughs> <laughs> but that was that was in style, I guess. <laughs> Because everybody had it. That was funny. Well, you already know my story. <laughs> my worst haircut was. Look, <laughs> my mom, right? My, at one point in time in my life, my mom moved up to Victorville. And for those of you that don't live in California, Victorville is like the high desert part of California. It's like, it's not heavily populated. It's, a, it's an area where they're kind of still building up the cities and building up the infrastructures. So there, there's houses and stuff out there. There's people that live out there, but it's not... You know, it's not that many people. But anywho, so my mom moves up there and I ended up moving up there after her. Right. And so the location that we lived in, um, there was really no barbershops around. And I had to really like search to find like a barbershop. And the funny thing is, I was like, well, I can't just find any barbershop. Like, I need to find like a black barbershop because I'm black and I have black hair. Like I need to find somebody who knows <laughs> right, how to who can cut your hair, yeah, who can cut my hair. Right. And literally in our area, like within like the 10 mile radius, there was no black barbershops. So I ended up finding a barbershop, um, that had just like opened, um, not too long ago when my mom had moved up there. Um, but it was a barbershop that was, uh, a two brothers owned. They started and they were both Mexican. And so anyway, I went in, well, before I even went in, I was calling around for barbershop. I was asking them all, like, hey, do you guys cut black hair? <laughs> Trying to get a response. So I called them and asked them that. And one of the brothers was like, uh, yeah, yeah, of course we do. So, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I'll go down there and try them out. Go down there. I walk in and, like, one of the brothers is, like, clean cut, like, no tattoos or nothing like that. Just a real clean shaven guy. But the other brother that I called and talked to... Like, you know, he had on some Jordans. He had, you know, he had a full sleeve going on. You said, so okay, I'm thinking, you fly. Yeah, I'm like, okay, like, okay, he's a little hip then. So, you know, maybe he might know what he's doing or something like that. Bruh, <laughs> I didn't got my hair cut and came back home 
And I told my wife, we was dating at the time. We wasn't married, but I told her, I said, bruh, I had went to this this barbershop and they didn't jack me <laughs> The back of my hairline like was way... <laughs> I was like, what? It, was, it, was, it looked like a bowl cut. Yeah, like, it, was, it was crazy. It was crazy. Look at my lineup was like, he tried his best to line me up, but it was a little crooked. Man, yo, at this point, I just knew I was like, I'm, I was probably like his first black haircut. He was getting some practice in on me. Yeah, it was crazy looking. Bruh, and I had to go to work. I had just started working at Stater Brothers up in the high desert, and I had to go to work with that haircut. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, it was crazy looking. I do remember that. That's funny. <sighs> but that was a struggle. Ooh, that was a struggle. Shout out to all my people living in the Apple Valley and Victorville. I'm rolling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, uh, let's go ahead and move on to our random fact of the day. Okay. So I got a question for you. Do you know which part of your body doesn't cannot repair itself? Mm, let me think. Which part of the body cannot repair itself? The nose. No, not the nose. <laughs> the brain. No, it's not the brain. Surprisingly, the teeth. <clears throat> there you go, it's the teeth. Ooh. So the mo- the majority of your body is even your skin. It's a living organism. Uh-huh. So even your bones, like once you, if you break a bone, if you reset your bones to where they're next to each other, your bones will eventually repair themselves. And then all the other tissues and organs in your body, it's all made of tissue of organic material. And so, you know, if you give it time, you know, even if you tear something, it will start to heal itself. You know, okay. it, won't, it won't like, you know, if you really rip something, it might not fully heal itself or it might not heal itself the way it's supposed to. But it the, will heal. yeah, the yeah, the cells will start to, you know, self heal. Okay. But your teeth, your teeth are the only parts of your body that cannot heal themselves and it's because your teeth aren't a living organism because they're covered in enamel huh and so that's why like if you was to chip a tooth or break a tooth or whatnot that's just the end of the story like you gotta get a fake tooth yeah you gotta get a fake tooth because your teeth cannot repair themselves and really underneath the enamel technically the technically underneath the enamel like your tooth or they're kind of made up of the same material that bones are made up of but since the enamel coats it, it pretty much, I guess, makes the healing factor deficient or it defuncts it pretty much. Interesting. So, anyway, there's your random fact. The, the more day. you know, the more you know. There's your random fact. All right. So let's go ahead and move on to our Roots and Bloom section for the week. And this Roots and Not Bloom. Roots and Bloom forever. I mean, I'm sorry. Our forever Roots segment. Roots and Bloom is Roots parenting, is for, our, for our kids. So we're moving on to our forever section. Our forever section is, is about marriage and, and relationships. Um, so today's topic is actually going to be one of our more serious topics. Um, but it's about, um, it deals with a public figure, actually. And we're going to be talking about Kiki Palmer and um, what she's been going through with her, I guess, her baby daddy. Because I don't think they're actually married. Yeah. So what's her been, baby's father? Yeah, her baby's father or her partner. Child's father. Oh, whatnot. And what she's been going through with him because just as of recently, um, she was granted a restraining order that she filed against him um, to for him to stay away from her and her son and their child um, because of reported domestic abuse. 
And so when I first seen this headline, um, a lot of people were like kind of having chatter about it on the internet. You know, whenever whenever something comes out like this about a celebrity, it's like it's crazy that everybody just takes sides without like knowing anything. They just know the title or they see the headline. They'd be like, "Well, I'm gonna take it, take this side. Or I'm, I'm gonna take that side." I'm always on the woman's side, ladies. Yeah. By the way, <clears throat> it don't matter what you do. I'm always on your side. So I thought that was interesting, <laughs> but the, the even more interesting part was later on in that day um tmz be getting everything i really don't know how they get everything i don't know what they pay what they well. doing yeah listen i'll give up anybody's information if tmz pay me but some somehow some way tmz got a hold of footage from inside of kiki palmer's home where her baby daddy or her baby's father i guess she sold it to him she said was actually well <laughs> was actually putting hands well i think what happened was i think that she gave that video up for like to for evidence yeah for evidence and in the, rest- the police in the rest- well in the restraining order i don't think it was police it would have been somebody in the court so because in order for her to file the restraining order she used that video as proof of evidence like this is what he's been doing like he's been putting his hands on me and this hey. is the proof. I have my ring doorbell camera inside my home, so and it was capturing all Somebody's this stuff. a little snake-like getting the <clears> video <throat> out there. Yeah, but anyway, so just going on this, just going on this topic, and just you know, just domestic, just domestic abuse, and um, you know, just the women and men are involved. I really want to get your take on it. Like, what do you think about the situation um, that's been going on? What came to mind when you first, you know, heard about the story? My the first thing that came to mind is that uh half of the men out there are dogs. They like what? That's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely crazy. Like why are you mistreating this lady? Like Kiki Palmer is a sweetheart. She's America's sweetheart. Like I don't care. Yeah, she That's right. Akila and the B. Like stop it. Like she's just so fun loving and so sweet and I just think that you know, a lot of men have an issue with control. I absolutely do. Oh, definitely. And so that's really what came to mind for me. And kudos to her for getting a restraining order against him instead of cracking him upside the head with a skillet, because that's probably what I would have did. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's really what came to mind. Like, I just can't believe that, you know, somebody loses control to the point where they want to put hands on somebody in front of their child while their child is there. And then it seems like he's such a narcissistic weirdo that he doesn't even really love his baby. Like if it doesn't have anything to do with her, you know, but then he's putting on a front for social media because the thing about narcissistic people is they don't like to look bad. And so, you know, that's a big thing. So now he's talking about, so, I love you, son. But, <laughs> but when he was talking that's, that's about That's how some, he sounded? <laughs> I'm sure. But then when he was talking about some whatever he said about his son and, you know, to her, the little questionable statement he said. Right. I, I find the, the, the most interesting part about that story to me is it's alarming what you're saying because you're saying, like, you know, him doing that in front of their child, in front of their son that he keeps talking about. But also... You know, her mom had got involved in it. And so he was showing some aggressive tendencies or doing some doing some type of domestic stuff, even in front of her mom, to the point where she had to come out and make a video. You know what I mean? Kind of well, the video she made was actually in response to his brother. Now, Kiki Palmer's baby's father's <laughs> this too many people I'm going through. <laughs> Kiki's Palmer's baby's father's brother. 
Um, <laughs> he was so he's her, an, almost her brother-in-law. Yeah, almost her brother-in-law. It would be almost her brother-in-law. So he's an actor. He was actually in Insecure. He played the part of um, a guy named Drew. So Drew was like having like a polygamous tribe, like low-key relationship with Molly on um, Insecure. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, in real life, his name is Saronis. I think that that's just what he's known as. But anyway. You shouldn't trust <clears throat> nobody named no cirrhosis of the liver. Saronis. Whatever <laughs> his name is. But so he puts out a, like a, he writes something on Instagram, you know, alluding to the fact that pretty much like this, and this is before we even seen the video. This is when the the restraining order of news that just came out. And then he goes on Instagram and writes about how like manipulative Kiki Palmer is and you know that his brother is a good person and he would never do this and blah 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 yada 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 you know what I mean he's not that type of person as to which somebody tried to challenge him on his post and then it got real interesting because then he was then he said well you know I used to be like that too oh, <laughs> as so if he, like it was cool or something like what you know what I thought he wrote that post about his brother like i thought he was talking negatively about his brother so really he was talking negatively about kiki no yeah he was talking negative about kiki and that's what prompted her mom to make that video her mom was going at him saying like bruh like you really gonna try to like gaslight my daughter and like you know make it seem as if like she out to get your brother in a a sense so yeah people are weird yeah so weird it's just real weird behaving. Like I said, he and this, he already don't got a good reputation because he low key like did some stuff on the set of like Insecure where Issa Rae wasn't really vibing with him, and she like that's why he was gone for like a a bunch of seasons. So they're probably a bad bunch. I bet you they probably witnessed their mama getting beat up, which is unfortunate, you know. So yeah, and actually that's that's that that was a, I'm glad you said that because that was a thing I was gonna actually go back into. Like, do you think that when it comes to like domestic violence, is it just because men are just low key men are really animalistic by nature? But do you <laughs> think that it's more heightened because they've witnessed domestic abuse, or they've been de- abused themselves, like when they were children? Do you think that that's a factor, or are men just kind of crazy from jump? Well, according to the CDC. Men who witness intimate partner violence growing up are more likely to abuse their own partners. So that is, you know, it it is. Oftentimes, if you witness something growing up, then you're more likely to do that. And so, you know, it is what it is. And so I do think it's something intrinsic as well. Mm -hmm. But I think that, you know, the statistics are crazy, though. Like, it's, you know, it's a lot of people being abused out there, men and women. Like, I'm looking at the statistics right now. It says, every year, 10 million women and men become victims of domestic violence. Every minute... 10 million. Every minute, 20 people are physically abused by an intimate partner in the United States. So, every single minute, 20 people are... Dang, every minute? Yeah, it's crazy, right? That might be more than... Did you know? Yeah, that's crazy. Did you know more than fifty-five percent of murdered women are killed in relation to intimate partner violence? So, of the women who are murdered, fifty-five percent are murdered by their partner. Yeah, that's why. And I learned that into I was taking a psychology class, um, and we one of the weeks we were diving into like domestic violence and like um actually we're diving into like crimes against pregnant women yeah Um, they have a statistic on that too yeah it says that 
every year an estimated 324,000 women are pregnant when they are subjected to violence by an intimate partner. And then let's see. The, yeah, there's just really so many statistics. Nearly half of all women and men have experienced physical aggression by an intimate partner in their lives. So, you know, it's not only women. And so I think a lot of times we ignore what men go through. But, you know, they're also getting abused. And a lot of men, they just don't feel like they can fight back. They don't want to get mm. in trouble, you know. And so it really is a problem, you know, the stigma behind it. So men should also speak up and they should get away from somebody who they see those sadistic um, characteristics in, you know. Mm-hmm. You absolutely should. And so... Uh, the last statistic I'm going to share is more than one in three women and one in four men have experienced rape or physical violence and or stalking by an intimate partner in their lifetime. So, you know, walking down the street, everybody, it's so funny because when it comes to this topic, everybody acts like they don't have any experience with it. And but in reality, does. the statistics say everybody does. Well, not everybody, but in reality, More you know, one in three people. and one in four. So every four men you count, one of them has been hit. And, you know, they might not consider that domestic violence, but it is a sen- in a sense domestic violence. Mm-hmm. And so... In one in three women, well, it doesn't say just hit, it says rape, physical violence, or stalking. Yeah. And so they've either, in one in three women, so 33% of women have been, you know, hit, stalked, or raped, and 25% of men have been hit, stalked, or raped. And so it's just, you know, it is crazy. It's a topic that, you know, is a definite thing that is taboo. A lot of people don't want to talk about it. And then a lot of people don't consider certain things domestic violence, like, you know, but domestic violence is typically a pattern. And so mm-hmm. just because you you get hit one time, you were abused, but it wasn't like a pattern. You know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. not like it, you know, it's not like it happens all the time. It's not right either way, but it's usually like to say that you've experienced domestic violence, it has to be a pattern of abusive behavior. So it's more like I experienced intimate partner violence or I was battered or something like that, you know? Yeah. To get into the logistics. But yeah, so it's crazy. And people should get out and notice the first signs. They should notice when somebody is, you know, even someone raising their voice at you. Nobody should be yelling at anybody, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and a lot of times the way that we grew up, I mean, I guess I don't go into our roots and bloom when it's eventually time, but a lot of times that we grew up, with being yelled at, and so when we're yelled at, then, you know, we internalize this is how we're supposed to communicate and talk to people, and so you think that that's okay, but people need to be comfortable expressing their boundaries and saying, you know what, don't talk to me like that. I don't like that. Mm. That's disrespectful, and I don't appreciate it, and I'm not going to even engage in the conversation. If someone grabs you or hits you, then you need to, you know, you need to leave, you need to express you need to make a big deal out of it the very first time i don't think people should ignore the warning signs especially when it comes to you know being hit and and abused and hurt verbally abused physically abused psychologically abused all the abuses yeah so then my next question would be or my, my my next question and last question for this this segment would be do you believe that once an abuser always an abuser or do you think that people 
who who engage in that type of behavior, do you think that they can honestly change um, in the future? I think that everybody is able to change, but I also believe that everybody has the propensity to go backwards. And so I think that it has to be within. It has to be something that you intrinsically want to change. And it has to be something that a person is willing to admit, like, I am wrong, you know, I should not have ever done that. And I'm going to do everything I can to seek the help. I'm going to do everything I can to prevent that. I'm going to do everything I can to avoid my triggers and all that kind of stuff. And so I think that, you know, it is hard, but you have to see that somebody intrinsically actually wants to change. Because a lot of times people get caught in the cycle of abuse where, you mm. know, you you get upset at somebody, they hit you or whatever, or grab you or, or slam you or push you or yell at you, whatever. And then, you know, then they come up to you and they're like, I'm so sorry, let me give you a gift and love on you. And they, you know, they douse you with all this praise and love and it makes you, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then you have your good honeymoon period for a while and you're off the high of that and all that good stuff, and then you escalate them again, or they get escalated again, and the cycle starts all over again. So it's like a cycle. And so you have to be careful that you're not in the cycle. You know what I mean? And so do I recommend anybody let it slide? I don't know. Like, if it was, if at this age that I'm at right now, I wouldn't let nothing slide. Mm -hmm. When I was 19 and 17, did I let stuff slide? I let stuff slide and I, and I was, you know, able to, you know, I was just younger. You just, you just go for anything at that age. But now that I am a whole 33, I would never. Mm -mm. Yeah. Mm -mm. One strike, one strike and you out. Or we, or we got to fight like bums in the street. Not bums in the street. <laughs> Absolute bums in the street. Listen, a cast iron skillet. Now you can't crack somebody up in the head. Cause you hear those people that, after years of abuse, they finally fight back and they kill the person because it's been so like so repressed. And then they go to jail. Like, uh, uh see, mm -mm, yeah. that's not, that's not, that's not a look. So I guess you gotta crack them in the back with the skillet. But then if you crack them in the back, you're not, you're just gonna make them mad. <laughs> I don't know. You gotta think about these things. Listen, it's just better to leave. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. That's that it's was better. Awesome. It's better to leave, but leave at least scratch some skin off of something. I don't know. Scratch an eyeball, and he gotta explain to people why he's missing an eyeball. Yeah, I put my hands on the wrong one, and I ain't got no eye. And I think the things you said though too, uh, what what I hope people really come to understand, and people really come to a realization to figure out if they're in those type of situations, is the cycle of abuse because it can become a form of manipulation where you feel like you know the person actually loves you. Are they? And people even say stuff like. Oh, I get so angry and physical with you. It's because I love you so much. And, you know, a person that isn't really inept with, like, you know, wisdom to really see through that and really notice that what they're entering into is a cycle of abuse, they'll just stay there. So I just want to say, I think it's healthy for you to really, if you're going through problems like that, don't just talk to anybody. Of course, talk to, the, talk to somebody you can trust um, about this situation because oftentimes when we're in relationships, we have blinders on and we can't see past the red flag. So that's why we need, you need to have a real tight circle of people who can look into what you're telling them and tell you, girl, that's not it. Or dude, that's not it. Like you need to move on. You need to get out, you know, and let me help you do that. Um, so I think that's a good thing. Um, 
to to have just that circle that community around you to yes. tell you where things are going off and pay attention to the red flags if somebody's ostracizing you or you know not allowing you to be with your friends and family taking the money you know mm-hmm. things like that it could be a progression it really can and at the end of the day all people deserve to be treated with respect and kindness and love. And so I'm I'm a firm believer in that. You know, all people. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. All righty. Well, let's move on to our Roots and Bloom section. So Roots and Bloom. Roots and Bloom, it stands for like, we are the roots. Your family is your roots. Your foundation, you know, kind of like God is our foundation. Uh-huh. And God is our roots. And what we pour on our roots is what will bloom basically like you know are we going to bloom flowers are we gonna bloom weeds you could bloom whatever it depends on the roots you have you know and so anyways today i we have we have what you called a strong will child dang what kind of sentence is that that was crazy we'd have (laughs) have. (laughs) that was that was a struggle but no i mean what people we have a strong-willed child Child. you know if you are questioning whether you have a strong-willed child or not then you don't have one because you'll know you'll absolutely know honestly and i think we have an episode on strong-willed children somewhere Mm. out there so you gotta look you gotta you gotta search through but anyways, so our strong-willed child causes us to read lots and lots of books and do lots and lots of methods and things like that because, you know, you have to figure out what works for your child at the end of the day. And so our child has excellent behavior at home for the most part, mm-hmm. and it is at school or with other people that we typically uh, run into our issues and our problems And why we have excellent behavior at home is because we have consistent expectations, clear consequences. We, um, you know, we're doing things the way we should. We have visual schedules. We allow them to take breaks, you know. We also allow, uh, we teach a lot of coping skills. We do a lot of modeling. And, you know, we just teach a lot of social skills and stuff and emotional regulation. However, you know, we need a kid to obey at school. So anyways, I have started a new book. Let me look up the name of it. It is called The Difficult Child. And it is, well, it's called Transforming the Difficult Child by Howard Glasser and Jennifer Easley. And so this is called The Nurtured Heart Approach. And so I really like this book. And it's really interesting, and it's specifically for people who have children who are very strong-willed. And so I'm going to teach you guys some of the lessons today from it. I've already told you some of it, babe. So what have I told you so far about the book? Well, the first thing is that we were talking about the attention that we give our kids. Like, oftentimes, whenever our kid does something wrong or they, they mess up, then we're giving them the atten- we're giving them like more attention for what they've done something that's negative versus when they do something positive or if like they have a good day. Yeah. So let's say if your kid is like not getting dressed fast enough for you in the morning or they I had a bad day at school, 
You're going to spend more attention low-key scolding them or trying to tell them what they did was wrong and what they need to do better next time and so on and so forth. But if your kid comes home with a A on a spelling test, you'll probably say yay for two minutes and then go <laughs> on about day. your day. Yeah. 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 And so that is really the premise of the book. That's the main premise. And so like the book was, I pretty much read it in one day almost. I'm almost done with it. And so I'm going to just give you guys the cliff notes of this book. And so the first principle is not having, not giving your child negative energy or negative, you know, not feeding into negativity essentially. So refusing to energize their negative behavior. And I'll explain what that means because it kind of sounds, you know, like a bunch of jargon at this point. And then the second one is we're supposed to seek positive opportunities. We're supposed to seek opportunities to give positive attention, positive energy. And then the third one, which we have to a T, is clear expectations and consequences. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think where we lacked a lot is we do give um, negative energy And how you combat that is basically you're supposed to find 10 to 20 times a day to give positive attention. Yeah. And so it doesn't have to be like positive attention, like good job. That's like, you know, fake positive attention. It could be neutral. It's a neutral message, basically, or it could be a positive message. So something would be like, let's say your kid just don't do nothing right. You know, like you're starting from ground zero. So something would be like, I noticed you're drawing a car and you're using such bright colors. You know, it's just it's just noticing them. They feel like, oh, wow, like somebody paid attention to me. So something like that would be like a neutral message. And so you want to do that like 10 to 20 times a day. And then you could give specific recognition. So something like, it seems like you're so excited about that Lego tower you're making. And I noticed how upset you got when you got stuck, but you're trying to control those emotions. So, you know, that's more, you know, specific. It's like actually giving them, it's not praise necessarily, but it's, you know, it's like a message of support and it really helps them to feel seen. It helps them to feel appreciated. So instead of good job, like when you see them coloring or something, you Mm -hmm. can say, I see that you're coloring. You look like you're working so hard, you know, (laughs) you're trying to work hard to stay in the lines and the color is so vivid and bright, (laughs) you know, something like that. And it sounds crazy, but you know, it's, it does, it really helps them to feel noticed. And so when we go into the negative attention, so like, let's say we'll use the example of in the morning. So your kids, they always, you know, they always take a hundred years to do everything. Oh my God. Especially these kids we got. And so oftentimes what we do is say like, I thought I told you to put your shoes on. I tell you to put your shoes on every day and you don't put your shoes on. And, you know, they might they might have brushed their teeth. They might have put their clothes on. They might have did all these things. But we're focused on the shoes. And so what do we give the big hoopla about the shoes? Mm -hmm. So what do they feel like? They're like, oh, wow, I'm getting all this. You know, I get a fireworks show over these shoes. And so subconsciously, they're telling themselves like, oh, now I don't have to put, you know, every day I'm not going to put my shoes on so I can get this fireworks show. Because it's the only way I could connect with my parents because they don't notice anything else. And so I thought it was kind of interesting. So he basically said, like, giving a lecture, giving a five minute lecture is a five minute reward. Hmm. (laughs) He said, like, basically, if you water these weeds, they're going to grow. So you're watering essentially negative behavior. So that's why Roots and Bloom is so perfect, because we've been watering negative Negative behavior. behavior. And so 
we also, another thing we do is we advertise which behaviors get basically upset us the most. Because we give all the lectures. Oh, you could really upset me if you don't put your shoes on. You could really upset me if you don't act right in school. You could really upset me if you uh, harass your sister or brother. And so, you know, we just have to really catch them being good. We have to narrate their day. And we have to really focus on the positive. And if you really... So you think, oh, 10 to 20 times, that's crazy. 10 to 20 times is really nothing. It takes 10 seconds. That's like one, yeah. 10 seconds times 10 is 100 seconds, which is what? That's less than two minutes a day. So really, we need to shoot for a lot more than that. 10 to 20 is really the basic. Because just think of how much energy we provide on a daily basis to negativity, you know? And it's little things. You didn't close the door right. You didn't. Okay, they had a perfect day at school. They have a negative moment. You know, we always say something. So anyways, let me let me uh go on to the next part. Do you have any comments, questions, concerns? No, it's just been really interesting like especially dealing with our kids like for the past couple weeks cuz our son like he's just been, you know, he he's been he's been doing things that have that have been have been making us like really rethink our approach on parenting. And so really trying to take these things into consideration and really look at what we've been doing, like it's kind of like a aha moment. Yeah. Like wow, like I don't even I really haven't really noticed that I've been doing that or I've been doing this. So Yeah. It's been interesting. And so also when we focus on the negative, we're basically creating a failure message like keep failing you're doing great you know essentially keep failing so you can get that connection yeah you're so good at failing you know because we're giving so much energy to it and so you know what something that I always thought was funny is you know there's like a big push to spin uh rules in a positive manner and you've actually questioned this before like why can't we just say don't do that you know Mm -hmm. it's a lot of no instead of say don't fight say nice hands you know that kind of thing and so this book actually says that it makes it difficult for kids with a difficult temperament to understand so regular kids you could say nice hands for you know like your average kid is going to understand nice hands but a difficult kid you just have to say don't hit you know because it makes it it takes out the ambiguity you know what I mean? So, you know, a kid is trying to figure out the rules at the school are like, be responsible, lead, you know, what the heck does that mean? What does that, you know, what yeah. does that mean? And so it should be like, uh, no being hard-headed, no being disobedient, no being disrespectful, mm-hmm. you know, because they understand that. And so, you know, the rules need to be specific. No name-calling, no fighting. And so the book tells you, if you break a rule, you get a consequence. That's it. So we need to stop all the theatrics. If they break a rule, automatic consequence. You don't even want to make your face ugly when they do it. You just give them the consequence. That's it. No negative, no negativity, no all the extra stuff. And so the consequence that they propose is actually a timeout, essentially. And so all the reprimands and the lectures and the yelling, and that's exciting and rewarding, and it's like a fireworks show for them. And, you know, it's the best way they get attention is by breaking those rules. And so what you'd want to do essentially is he calls it a reset. And so what you'd want to do, like, let's say your kid comes home from school 
And honestly, if you think about it, six hours at school is a long time for a six-year-old or a seven-year-old to keep it together all day. And most of their day is honestly probably going to be good. Honestly. Mm-hmm. But we don't ever get, nobody ever gets a call for all the good moments they have. And you don't ever get praise for that. So, you know, they come home because they had two bad moments during the day or whatever. And so what you're supposed to do is say, oh, hey, bring me your uh, behavior sheet so I can see. Um, and, you know, thank you for com- whatever you want to say. Oh, thank you for uh, having a great day, blah, blah, blah. You know you work so hard. You kept it together. But I noticed you have two reds here. We're going to do a couple of resets, and then we'll get on with our day. So let's yeah. do two resets for your two bad behaviors, your two negative behaviors, and we're going to get on with our day. So what you'd have them do is sit down, you know, for a length of time you propose, and then you get back on your day. You don't lecture them. You don't because they already know. Honestly, they already know the behavior. They already know what they did, and we don't want to provide all that extra stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I just think his his methods are pretty good. They're pretty interesting, you know. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, like especially for those listening. What, how would you, how would you know that you have a strong-willed child? How would you know you have a strong-willed child? Your child that just won't go along to get along. Your regular consequences are not working. You've tried everything. You, you ready to pull your hair out trying to figure out what can I do to get this child to do what I need them to do? How can I get them to understand, you know, that they have to be obedient? Mm-hmm. You're, you've probably lectured them until you're blue in the face. You probably have. Mm-hmm. This is the child where you're like, I'm trying to gentle parent, but Lord, I might have to, <laughs> I might have to take it back to uh, tearing you up. Right. You know, this is an abrasive parent. Right. You know, it's that's the child that makes you question your everything. You know, yeah. so that's how you know you truly have a strong-willed child. But honestly, they have a lot of good characteristics. They do, and they have a lot of leadership characteristics. And it's almost, believe it or not, they're strong-willed is really like it's really almost like essentially a superpower it's just that we have to figure out how to harness it we have to figure out how to pull the good out of them we have to figure out how it's going to manifest when they become an adult and so you know basically there's a lot more to the book you guys should get it I could go on I could do like three episodes on this honestly but I'm just going to leave you with you know don't feed into the negativity keep your face regular they don't even he doesn't even want you to give reminders no warnings none of that it's an immediate consequence every time so if they know they're not supposed to jump on the couch oh let's have a reset why oh you were jumping on the couch don't even make your face they might argue if they refuse the reset well i guess we'll just wait until you're ready to do the reset we're just not going to do anything until you're ready let me know Mm-hmm. And just move on about your business. Don't let the, you know, don't even engage. Don't do all that. But anyways, so immediate reset. No, no hugs during the reset. No discussion during the reset. It's literally just them sitting. And it's only, it doesn't have to be so long. It doesn't have to be so long. And the goal is, is that you've given them so much positive praise and so much positive attention and no attention for the negative behavior, really, but a little reset that they're going to be seeking that positive attention. And they don't like the fact that they're not getting any attention at all, basically. Mm. And so you're reprogramming them. Anyways, it's a super good book. 
and it is called The Difficult Child, Transforming the Difficult Child by Howard Glasser. And it's so good. And I recommend all you parents and teachers out there, educators, definitely listen to it. And we will come back with an update next week. That's good stuff. <clears throat> well, that's Roots and Bloom from our school psychologist, our <laughs> resident school psychologist. So, but yeah, that's it's a good... It's a good topic to talk about because, you know, a lot of people don't, a lot of people, I think they just go through kind of life if they got a difficult kid, they just label them as bad. Yeah. Like, I got a bad kid. But, yeah, you might have a strong-willed child that you might have to try a different approach with that doesn't work for your other kids who are, you know, a little bit more gentle parenting friendly, you know? Yeah. So... And it's also, one last thing, you might think of kids back in your day or kids that you knew that were strong-willed, and in the environments that they acted up in were probably environments that they didn't receive a lot of that positive attention, and the environments that they didn't act up in were environments that they did receive that positive mm. attention. So they were, you know, they're like, oh, I got this good connection. They always think the best of me. Like, I always want to be good here. And then... You know, I get that attention without having to act out. And, you know, but then when they act out, they get this big old hoopla. And so they're like, oh, I'm really going to act out. This is how I get connection. Especially from a parent who wasn't like, you know, who's not really uh, positively, you know, positively reinforcing their kid. And they might have not even known at that time. Yep. Well, that was good stuff. Good subject. All right, so now we're going to go ahead and get into our lifestyle section. Now, this is my part. You're done saying it's a this lifestyle? My, yeah, I was, that, was, that was only for that was only for. You don't want to kill time. it? Yeah, free slime, though. You know, that Who's was only free for, slime? <laughs> that's Young Thug. That's, that's who the, uh, the lifestyle song, who made the lifestyle song. Oh, he's, he's in still, jail? Well, yeah, he's still going through his, his Rico case. They got well, him somebody Rico. this name is Young Thug probably should be in jail. <laughs> Shut I ain't gonna up. lie to you. I ain't gonna you. <laughs> it was Young Thug, Gunna. Gunna was in I there really, too. And I really, speaking of, I hate when people say free somebody. No, keep them in jail. That boy was robbing. <laughs> she said that boy was robbing. Or he was robbing, <sighs> he was beating. Like, well, no, now, well, you. in this case, he's, they got him on a Rico case because the problem was, and this, and oh, this ties, this ties so greatly into what I'm about to talk about for this lifestyle section. Uh-huh. But, his problem was Young Thug created a collective, like a rap collective called YSL. So it wasn't he Saint, Saint Laurent? Yeah, it wasn't he Saint Laurent? I mean Laurent or whatnot. It was Young Slime Life or whatnot. And um, this had a collective of rappers like Gunna was in there. Ooh, I'm scared. <laughs> you know, people like that. Off of the suburbs. Baby. And so anyway, he tried to make this collective. Instead of just being like a regular, like, you know, rap group, like Young Money or somebody like that, they was actually like operating like as a low key gang. Actually, as a high key gang. They was threatening people. Oh, so they were Shug Knight. Yeah, like they was doing, they was doing they was some Shug Knight the group. Um, you know what I mean? And even like, it even got into the, like, in some of this case, like, there's like some murder investigation type stuff going on. So, you know, with him being the actual CEO of the company and the leader, of this company, they're marking him as the leader of this gang. You know what I mean? So yeah. Anyway, the the case is still ongoing. Um, it's been ongoing for like I want to say almost. I think Young Thug has been in jail for a year now with this. But you know, it just like I said it goes into my what I'm gonna talk about because it's just sad that you know our young men, especially in hip hop, 
when they're actually making something out of themselves, like they're making like legit money, becoming actual millionaires and making money to change not only their trajectory, but their family's trajectory, the people who they grew up around, grew up around trajectory when they're all coming from like the ghettos and stuff to do better and be better. But instead, they become millionaires, and it's like they just dive more into the thug life. No pun intended with young thug. <laughs> um, so today, what I want to talk, yeah. So today, what I want to talk about um, is actually, and that's great because I don't think I don't think I talked about you, talked to this about you throughout the week. Sometimes I'll give you like hints and stuff. I'll talk about something, but I want to talk about a rapper named D One. Which you probably like. Who's I don't D1? know who that is. <laughs> you know, I've never. I don't know that man. I've never Ode heard of Kiki. him. And so, well, what D one is? D one is a Christian rapper, right? I, I, the first time I heard D one was probably way back, like, um, I want to say like two thousand fifteen, two thousand fourteen, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, he's a Christian rapper. He actually used to be a. Uh, he started off as a school teacher. He used to be a middle school teacher in New Orleans. Or whatnot, and then uh, became a Christian rapper. And of course, you know, with being a Christian rapper, your message is very different from what other rappers are talking about in the mainstream or whatnot. So, D1 has always been a positive guy, all about God's word and God's message. Just recently, though, um, he was invited to come on Sway in the Morning Show, which is a, probably another name you probably like. Who is that? Sway is a big radio. Yeah, yeah Sway is a no big. Idea. Sway is a big radio personality in the hip hop world. You, I, you probably actually, if I show you a picture of Sway, you'd remember him because Uh-oh. Sway was on. Sway was on MTV for a minute. Sway is the Did black you go guy. To high school with us? No, no, That's Sway. No, him. Sway. Is, well, how people remember Sway is because Sway used to always wear like a turban or like a hat. He used to have dreads. Okay, I do know who. And that so is. yeah, you just people just know Sway from that. But anyway, Sway has his own radio station or radio show, and D One came up there. And a lot of a lot of artists come through Sway's because they come up there, they do interviews, and they like freestyle. This is like one of the freestyle, like Sway, Sway in the morning, the L.A. Leakers, and Funk Master Flex. If you've ever watched like a big rapper's freestyle, you've watched their freestyle from one of those three, you know, places. Anywho, D1 gets invited up to Sway's show, and you know, D1 is actually talking about his album that just came out. D1 just wrote a children's book. That just came out. Shout out to him because we actually wrote a children's book as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, that'll 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 be coming. That'll be coming soon. Yes. But so D1 is on there talking about positive stuff. And then him and Sway, they got into a part of the interview where they started talking about Sway's asking about, you know, the music industry and how he's like, you know, his his thoughts on the music industry. And so D1 kind of starts going on a tangent and actually i'm gonna play the video for you and i'm you know i'm uh so you can actually see because this is your first time Mm -hmm. reacting to it so i'm gonna show you the video of what d1 initially said right now d1 is talking about or he mentions the certain names of a certain couple of rappers jim jones rick ross and meek mill uh-huh. Rick Ross, all three of them actually respond, but I'm going to just show you Rick Ross's response. And then the last video, these are all short too. And the last video I'm going to show you is D1's response to Rick Ross's response, okay. which I find interesting. I want to get your take on it because I'm like already I said, partial towards Rick Ross. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so that, I want to get your take on it because, like, for me, I know D1's history. I know what D1 is about, and I'm familiar with D1. So what, what he said and how this, this whole situation went like i understood you know where he was coming from and i know him a little bit more or whatnot but i want to get the reaction of someone who actually is just coming into this blind so okay 
It's the OGs who I like to call DGs because they're disappointing grown-ups. That's what they are. Mm. It's the OGs in hip-hop. It's the ones that's 40-something years old. And, man, I hate when I see these gray-haired clout chasers who still talking about, and I send my young boys to come and wet your whole block up, and da-da-da, and they still glorifying this. I look at with a Jim Jones, you could do better, brother. I love you too much. I love you too much to not be honest with you. Rick Ross, you could do better, brother. Meek Mill, you could do better, brother. I love you too much not to be honest with you. Are you the face of prison reform? Cause I held, uh, are you the face of prison reform? Or are you sitting here on your new song with Ross talking about getting somebody murked and shot at the red light? Which one is it, bro? Which one is it, bro? Cause I did a shoe giveaway in my city and gave out 1,300 pairs of your shoes cause they said reform underneath them. And I love that you partnered with, with a major shoe company and, and you out here pushing prison reform. But now I gotta sit here like, man, this man glorifying getting people killed as of a week ago. Like, what are you doing, bro? Okay, so. That was D1's initial response, or initial statement, which garnered this response from Rick Ross. Okay. Meek Mill, you could do better. Jim Jones, you could do better. Rick Ross, you could do better. I got to see you do better. Wait, wait. Little man, whoever you is, until you feed the kids where you from for 20 years straight. Don't question, Rose. Wait, wait. Until you buy 10,000 bikes, 10,000 trikes. Give all the young girls who pregnant pampers for Christmas for 20 years straight. Don't question boss. You heard me, little man? Get that basket off your head so you could think clear, little man. <laughs> Rick Ross is funny. <laughs> and so now here's here's gonna be the last video of D1's response. His last response to, to what Rick Ross just said. Okay. Rick Ross. First of all, I love you, brother. And I want you to know that because you sounded a little upset in your video reply to me. But I love you too much to not be honest with you. And right now, you're deflecting. I was talking about your lyrical content and you talking about turkeys. I'm talking about you as a hip-hop OG still glorifying murder and drug dealing in your music. And you talking about turkeys? Bro, more people are streaming your music than eating your turkeys. You can believe that, brother. Oh, then you can make fun of my accent and my hair, brother. That's lightweight, you hear me? What am I doing to help my community? Well, my whole adult life, I've been a middle school teacher. Now I'm a full-time hip-hop artist. Just dropped my 10th album. It's called Uno. You should check it out, actually. I've helped to give out hundreds of thousands of dollars in college scholarships for students around this country. Done financial literacy tours year after year, brother. Shoe drives, toy drives, voter registration rallies, prison ministry. I'm currently a professor at Tufts University teaching the intersection of hip-hop and social change, and I'm a fellow at Harvard University. Ultimately, I'm just trying my best to do God's work in this industry, bro. Then you say, why don't I go viral with my own content? Brother, you a little late to the party. I've been successful for a while, man, and not having to glorify the things that's harmful to our community. Could you do that? I'm curious. Bro, I work with some of the same artists as you, The Game, Lupe, Big Crit, Juvenile, Manny Fresh, Currency, Kevin Gates, uh, Sway, Charlemagne, these people know me, man. So as black men, let's do our best to do God's work and not glorify what's holding us down, man. <laughs> so those are those are the videos. And so I'm curious to know what's your take on that on that situation or from hearing that for the like the first time. So you already know I'm just a different person and the way I think is just differently than most people. And so like I get what D1 is trying to say and I get the whole point and the whole message he's trying to push. 
Um, however, there's a lot more that he, there's a lot more people that he could have mentioned. And that's the majority of the hip hop game. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I just don't think that calling them out is going to really help. Like at the end of the day, our job is not really to call out unbelievers because unbelievers are going to be unbelievers or people who are doing the most are going to be doing the most. Like we're not here to judge the world essentially God is going to judge the world now judging other Christians and stuff like that is different how if we want to get on a biblical basis Mm -hmm. so that's my first thing secondly hip-hop is going to do what hip-hop is going to do like this is not anything new this is not like you know what I mean let's start with NWA or whatever you know whoever the first gangster rappers were and now I feel like a lot of the music is an acting job. Of course you have the real people or the people who are once doing things and stuff like that. But I feel like music is is like acting. Like most of the people who are making those songs are not doing those things in the songs. And so I feel like they're almost essentially telling a story. And so if you look at it from an artistic perspective of somebody is telling a story or somebody is feeding into the story and they're just trying to make money telling a story. It's like how Eminem tells all types of weird stuff about raping people and all types of crazy stuff. And essentially it's a story at the Mm -hmm. end of the day. And so I think that um, D1's intentions are great, but I just think that it's kind of unwarranted and... What I don't see what the point of that would be like, and Rick Ross, I mean, he could have just acknowledged, yeah, I'm if I if that was me, I would have been like, yep, and I'm gonna keep doing it, and I don't care, <laughs> like I'm still gonna be making money, and I'm gonna do what I want to do, like that's just my opinion on it. And so he did get a little offended and tried to talk about his hat and stuff, which was kind of funny because that cracked me up yeah. a little bit. But, you know, at the end of the day, just acknowledge it and call it a day. Because once you acknowledge it, then people will move on. Mm. Well, see, and the interesting thing is with Rick Ross's response that I I cut it off because of the video I showed you. I actually cut it off. He, it's a longer, he has a longer response. That's why D1 was like, you getting, you obviously getting mad. Like, I've, actually, I've obviously struck in a court because yeah. Rick Ross started cussing and he'd call him out his name and just saying a bunch of just like wild, crazy stuff or whatnot. And so it just really got interesting. Also, Jim Jones responded to him too. I didn't want to put that one in there because you guys can go look up these responses. But for like Jim Jones response, Jim Jones literally said, Oh no, I'm not. I don't, I don't talk about violence. Like I don't do that violence stuff. And literally in the same sentence, a minute from him saying that he was like, you know, but I just don't take, you know, nobody talking on my name and disrespecting me. You heard? Cause you know, I'll get some, I'll get some dudes to come down there and like, and wrinkle up your shirt. They already calling me from New Orleans. Cause that's where D1 is from. You know what I mean? Telling me you can get touched. So, you know, you better be careful. I'm like, what <laughs> and so here's the thing about d1 <clears throat> here's the background <clears throat> about d1 that a lot of people don't know because you were like why doesn't he just call out the whole music industry d1 has been doing this since the inception of his career he he his where why d1 says yo you're a little late to the party like i've like i've been viral doing this literally almost like 10 years ago d1 made a song called 50 G, uh j50 and wheezy where he's talking about pretty much essentially the same thing, like Loki, like trying to hold them accountable, like okay, like y'all have made it this far in life now, don't y'all think like you know it's time to transition from telling the stories of like what you used to do? Now y'all have been millionaires for dang near ten years. Why don't y'all start doing more positive stuff? Nobody want to hear the positive stuff. stuff. Well, people do because here's here's the thing, like 
as certain art, well, not all artists, but as most artists get older, their content gets older. Their content gets a little bit more mature. I think this is the problem like the people were having with Drake that we were talking about Drake a couple of episodes ago because people were like, bruh, like you almost 40. Like, why are you still talking about like doing like little kid stuff or whatnot? Like, like for instance, for example, matter of fact, the first Jay-Z concert I went to, the concert you took, took me to, that was for his 444 album. Okay. At that point, Jay-Z is already a billionaire. That whole album is him talking about financial literacy, talking about buying Black the Block, talking about being a good parent. That's the, that's the album that got that Super Bowl goal song on there. Talking about being a parent and a husband and a father. Like So for the majority of artists, like their, their content kind of matures. You know, as they mature, and really, if you look at like the you know the three main rappers in the game right now, two of them have very mature content and talking about life. That's Kendrick and and J Cole, and then you have Drake, whose sales and whose looks are kind of starting to wane now. You know what I mean? Because I think that his listener they're just getting kind of tired of listening to the same thing and him not showing any growth. And it's also interesting why I waited to talk about this because this happened last week. But I wanted to talk about this this week because Rick Ross and Meek Mill, they just put out an album on Friday, this past Friday. And so I wanted to see like what was going to be the reception from this album and what the sales are going to be. And it's not a good look. (laughs) They're they're only going to move, the projections is they're only going to move about 30,000 in sales, right? And that's because the content of the album, like I said, they is exactly what D1 said. They talking about shooting people, killing people, and selling dope and being the biggest drug dealers or whatnot. And people is like, bro, this album is mid, pretty much. And like I said, them only moving 30,000 units, guess who's, guess who's done that before already? Like I said, D1. So while they talking and saying, like, you got to do this and you should do this. Like, now they kind of on par with somebody that's an independent Christian artist. You already know Christian rappers don't really even get that, get looks like that from the mainstream anyway. Right. And so, I'm just like, bruh, that, that ain't looking, it ain't looking too good, you know what I mean? And the last thing I'll just say is that I, I totally and I totally get what D1 is saying because it's really funny that, like, rappers really like to deflect. The one response that I found was interesting was Meek Mill's response to him. Meek Mill didn't make a video, but Meek Mill actually just tweeted something. Because even, like, I'm sure you don't know as well, because you don't really follow, like, rap like that. Yeah, I don't But what what D1 was talking about, like, Meek Mill being the face of prison reformers, because Meek Mill got arrested and went to jail, you know, some years ago, and it was off of, like, some weird, like, probation law, or them, you know, them have the system, pretty much. Meek Mill got out of jail, and, like, had, like, you know, pretty much had this, this, this air about him. He was like, you know what, I'm gonna try to do my best to lead the, the change on prison reform, and, you know, how the system does people, mm-hmm. or whatnot. And so, it is interesting that, like, just for, like, maybe, like, a year, or a year or two, Meek Mill was very heavy on that. Even in that moment, he started kind of making, like, positive music, but now, as it kind of slowed down, he's kind of back to making shoot 'em up, bang bang music, or whatnot. And even in a sense with Rick Ross, it's just like what you said. Like these are actors. Us as mature people and older people, we know the act. Especially like me coming from L.A. Like I knew, I know who the real free Ray Rick Ross is. And so you know this, the rapper Rick Ross, he's truly putting on the facade. But I think the heart of what D1 was really trying to get to is that. 
the majority of their listeners, like their monthly listeners, it's not dudes that are 40 and 30. It's actually young kids who see Rick Ross and see McMill at the f- basketball games, sitting courtside, they with they favor they with your favorite athlete. Those are the kids that are streaming their music and listening to their music. And they really can't tell the difference between like, oh, this rapper is putting on an act because all the rappers talking about in their song is how real they're being and, you know, what they doing. You know, I mean, the kids see, you know, stuff like King Von dying and, you know, Nipsey getting shot. And they're thinking like, man, okay, this is real life. So when they hear Meek Mill and Rick Ross and Jim Jones and whoever else down the line talking about what they talk about, the kids taking it a little differently than we taking it. But I just thought it was an interesting conversation, a good conversation starter. And I just love how for the past week, D1 has really been like, he's been having these rappers like hurt. Like they've been coming out and responding to him that people don't. Hopefully he don't be dead. He don't really get no response. Well, you know, that's what I'm saying. Hopefully they don't get to that because then that's just crazy. I guess next we got to call out the movies too because, I mean, I'm just saying. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. D1, D1 has. Call out everybody. Before this this Rick Rick Ross and Meek Mill stuff, D1 and Lecrae got into it. Because D1 was on Lecrae head because Lecrae started selling merch and the back of Lecrae's shirt, it said, I can quote Corinthians and I can quote Cardi B. And D1 was like, bruh, if we're going to be righteous, like, we need to be, <laughs> like, wh- like why Why would you make a shirt like that? So, But it's probably the truth. D1 could probably quote both, too. So, I don't know. I just think that he, sh- you should tread a thin line because... You should tread a thin line. You should tread a thin line. The la- and the last thing I say to his, the answer to why he responded like that is because he said, you know, these rappers, they have the audacity to put out this content publicly and then, you know, say whatever they want to say on rap songs publicly. They go on interviews and talk about all this stuff publicly. But a lot of people, a lot of people and artists are reaching out to D1 and saying, nah, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have went at them like that in public. You should have just called them on the side and like behind the scenes and really talked to them. And so D1 was like, why would I need to talk to somebody behind the scenes if what they're putting out in public? Shouldn't I respond to them in public? Or shouldn't I make mention of that in public and call them out in public? He said, I'm not even calling them out. I'm just trying to hold them accountable. Okay. Well, however he, however he <laughs> twisted, Okay. <laughs> But anyway, all right. This has been the Crafted, Crafted Podcast. Uh, so again, we want to just thank you guys for tuning in and listening to us. Um, just real quick, a special announcement: what we were talking about earlier, which is what we mentioned in our last podcast, um, we are officially launching a children's book. Yes. And so right now, um, if you're listening to this on Apple, or if you're listening to this on. Whatever platform you're listening on, on this to, in our description, there's going to be a link where you can actually pre-order the book. Um, the book is going to be out for sale um, at the beginning of December. But right now, if you pre-order the book, you'll get it at a little cheaper price. Um, and you'll get it directly from us. Yeah, directly from us. So, um, yeah, that's a, that's a special announcement, man, we want to announce. And this is something we're excited about. Um, but like I said, as always, man, we just thank you guys for tuning in to us. Um, you could be anywhere in the world, but you're, you're here with us. Um, so please go rate us, go comment, um, tell us how you like the episode, give us a topic that you might want us to talk about in the next episode. But as always, um, we love you guys. We'll see you next week. God bless.